Hey, one more time, let's celebrate with everybody who got baptized today. Wow, 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 wow. Man, Baptism Sunday is my favorite, uh, favorite days at Hope City Church. And I just want to say a big hello to everyone at Shepherdsville celebrating baptism there. Everyone here in South Louisville celebrating baptism. You know, we share real hope so people can have real life. And, uh, and so it's, it's, it's what it's all about. We have fun in a lot of different ways, but at the end of the day, we want people to put their faith and their hope in Jesus Christ because Jesus never disappoints. And so thank you so much for being here today. My name is Jason. I'm the pastor here. And uh, welcome to Sunday Fun Day. And uh, today we are starting a brand new series called Straight Out of the Old Testament. Straight out of the Old Testament. I'm really excited about this. Uh, what we're going to do for the next several weeks is uh, myself and our teaching team are going to be teaching some of the famous, more famous, I guess is the right word, I don't know, heroic, um, I would call them Sunday school Bible stories, but I know that a lot of you are not part of Sunday school, so let's don't call them that. Uh, but these are just some of the stories that uh, maybe you heard as a kid or learned as a kid, but the reason I'm excited to, to be doing this series is because I know for a lot of you, you're not familiar with these stories. It's actually my favorite part of our growth group that I'm a part of. Uh, I'm with a group of guys on Wednesday nights, and, and uh, they, they, they were unlucky to get put in a growth group with the preacher, and uh, so they have to answer the questions to the guy who put the sermon together, which is no, no fun for them, I'm sure. But one of my favorite parts is when we, like, we've been going through the book of John, and they'll be like, I never heard that story before. And, uh, you know, I grew up in church, fourth generation preacher's kid. Most of you know my story. And I'm so thankful for my heritage. But can I be a little bit honest? Like, I'm a little bit jealous of you guys that are hearing these things for the first time, that you have this blank canvas of these stories about, about God and and the Bible, and so I'm just excited because we're going to go through these stories together and learn them and, and see uh, how God can teach us something out of this. And today, I want to start with the story of Abraham. I'm going to start with the story of Abraham. Maybe you're familiar with Abraham. Uh, maybe you learned a song as a kid called Father Abraham. I'm not sure, but the reason that they had a song called Father Abraham is because Abraham was known as the father of a nation. He was the, the godfather, if you will, the patriarch of a nation. And the reason that he was that was because God showed up one day and told him that's what he was going to be. Now, when Abraham died, he had two sons, and one of them was legitimate. Um, and so when he died, he wasn't necessarily the father of a nation, but he became that because that's what God promised uh, in his life. And so today we're going to talk about Abraham. Specifically, we're going to talk about how hard it is to wait on God, how hard it is to, to wait on God. And so there's a Bible either in your seat or underneath the seat in front of you. I'd love for you to grab that out. Also, sermon guide. Hopefully you got one of those when you came in, but we'll use that some uh, today. And we're going to be in Genesis chapter 15, Genesis chapter 15. And we've got page numbers on there for you. And, and Genesis is at the very beginning, so good, you, it's not going to take you long to get there. Just start turning one at a time. You'll get there, page 12, if you're using one of our Bibles. But we're going to be in Genesis uh, 15 and talking about waiting on God, how hard it is to wait uh, on God. There was, a, there was a famous experiment conducted in, in the 1960s by scientists at Stanford 
that tested the willpower and the patience of a group of four-year-olds. Any parents of four-year-olds in the room? Raise your hand. Yeah. Okay. We know they don't have much of that willpower and patience, but there was a a study conducted, uh, four-year-olds. They were brought into the room, and they were presented with a selection of treats, including marshmallows, and uh, they were offered a deal. They could eat one marshmallow right away, or they could, they could wait. If they were able to wait a few minutes, which they weren't told how many minutes, they just said a few minutes, then if they waited, they could have two marshmallows at the end of their, their waiting, and then the researcher left the room. And so imagine this. Uh, these four-year-olds are in this room with all of this candy and all these treats and a marshmallow sitting on the table, and if they can wait... They'll get two marshmallows. Now, some kids gave into the temptation and ate the marshmallow as soon as the researcher left the room. How many people think that's what you would do? Let me just see your hand like, yeah, y'all lying. Um, about 30% though managed to ignore the urges and they doubled their treat when the researcher came back in 15 minutes later. I'm sure for the four-year-old it seemed like 15 hours but 15 minutes later, he, he came in. Now, here's what's interesting is that scientists and researchers came back several years later and found these students, had these students, and they were now in high school. And the researchers asked about and, and got data on them as, as high school students, and here's what they found. They found that the 30% of the students who were patient and disciplined enough to not eat the marshmallow, they found that their SAT scores were on average about 210 points higher, and they found that those students were more popular, and they found that those students did fewer drugs, and here was the conclusion of the study, that if you possess traits of willpower and patience as a preschooler, it seemed that once you got older, you also knew how to get yourself to class on time finish your homework, make friends, and resist peer pressure. The kids who were able to delay gratification had an advantage throughout their, their life. And so today, as we read this story about Abraham and talk about waiting on God, what we're going to find is that if we can wait, if we can wait, if we can delay and put off the urges inside of us to go ahead or to get ahead of what God has promised us, if we can somehow wait, what we will find is that it's always better. It's always better. Now, Abraham's story starts in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to be in 15 today, but his story starts in Genesis 12, goes all the way to Genesis 25, 13 chapters in the Bible, and that's a lot of chapters in the Bible for one guy. Uh, it's, a, it's an important story, and, uh, and so it starts in 12, and God shows up and, and tells Abraham of this great plan, this huge promise, this big dream, but most of Abraham's life didn't look like God said it was going to look, which is why he's the perfect story to talk about waiting on God. So if you have that Bible, you have that sermon, God, let's start reading Genesis chapter 15. We're going to start at the first verse and read a couple of verses down to verse 6, all right? Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6. Here's what it says. It says, Sometime later, 
The Lord spoke to Abram, which that's Abraham. God's going to change his name in a little bit. We're just going to go ahead and call him Abraham to clear up any confusion. So the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. And then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That is how many descendants you will have. Last verse. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So God gives Abraham a great dream and promises for his, his life. And I wonder, I wonder today if you feel as if, if you believe that God has a great dream for your life. Now, if I were to say to you, do you have a vision for your life, maybe that sounds incredibly intimidating. Like, I've never had a vision. Like, what do you mean a vision? Like a trance? Like, what do you mean a vision for my life? And so I don't want that to sound intimidating. When I say, do you have a vision for your life, a God-given vision, what I mean is, can you see the future version of your life in any way? Do you ever dream about the future version of your life? Has there ever been a time where you've allowed yourself to wander and kind of daydream and imagine what the future version of your life could look like? Maybe for some of you, you feel like God has clearly spoken to you. Like, yes, I know what God's dream for my life is, what God's promises for my life is. I know that. But for most of us in the room, we probably don't have a clear uh, experience or moment with God. For most of us, it's probably just desire or an idea or inspiration of what our life could look like. And I want to be sure to point out the difference here between a good idea and a God idea. Sometimes good ideas are God ideas. But not every good idea is a God idea. And what Abraham received from God was a God idea, not just a good idea. And so maybe you have some God ideas. Maybe you have some God dreams and visions for, for your life. I, I was just trying to think through a couple that maybe would hit everybody you know, as a part of this sermon. Let me just read a, a couple of these that I jotted down. Maybe this is where you're at. Maybe you felt like you were supposed to start a business, or maybe you felt like you were supposed to start a family. And it's not just like that would be cute if that happened. You really believe it in your core. Like, I believe this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, God has, has charged me with this dream. Maybe You've always felt like you were destined for greatness, but your bank account or your home life or your current situation feels anything but. Maybe you've envisioned uh, what your future family will look like, your husband, your wife, your house, the van you'll drive, but you can't even get a date. Maybe you get dates, that's the problem. Every date is more depressing because there's not really anybody out there that seems half decent. 
if, if there is this tension in you that you feel like something great is out there, but what you are currently experiencing is not that great, then you can understand Abraham's dilemma. God tells Abraham, I'm going to use you as a father to a whole nation of people. So many, Abraham, that if you go out and you try to start counting the stars in the sky, you'll get close to the number, but you won't get to the number, right? Here's the problem. Sarah and Abraham can't have kids. She is not able to have children. So imagine God shows up in this unbelievably inspirational moment and says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son and many sons and, and more sons and daughters and a whole nation. And as Abraham is hearing this, he knows that Sarah can't have children. But somehow he believed. He believed. Now, uh, if you still have the Bible, look over at next chapter, chapter 16. Uh, and I want to just read verse 1. Obviously, we don't have time to read the whole story of Abraham today. But I just want to read the very first verse of, of chapter 16. It says, now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. Have you ever felt like that? Not specifically about bearing children, even though I know for some of you it's a real dilemma. But, but I just mean in general, you feel incapable of producing and doing what it is you feel like God has put in your heart to do. I got a dream to start a business, but I have no money. Or I've got so much student loan debt. I've got a dream for a marriage, but I don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I got a dream for a career, but I don't think I'm ever going to finish college. I have a dream, I have a, a vision, I have an idea, but I don't have what it takes or what is necessary in order to, to do that. Now, if you are in the room and you've ever battled infertility, you can especially relate to what Abraham and Sarah are, are feeling. I can imagine that Abraham comes home and he's like, Sarah, I have something amazing to tell you. God just showed me and spoke to me that we are going to father uh, like, like a nation. Like we're going we're gonna to have a child and then lots of children. And so I can imagine both of them like hugging and crying and are so excited and like God, God's going to do this because when we get inspired by God, we also assume that God is going to do it as quickly as we think he's going to do it. So I can just imagine, you know, like, she probably went that afternoon to CVS to get a test, right? And I can just imagine test after test after test. Some of you have been there. I'm not trying to belittle what you are or have experienced, but I can just imagine the disappointment time after time after time. I thought God said babies. We just keep, keep getting failed tests, failed tests, failed tests. Hear me, for 25 years. God shows up to Abraham and says, you're going to be the father of, like, a great nation. I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a lot of sons. Failed test after failed test after failed test for 25 years. I'm willing to bet month one they're already on Pinterest. They're already picking out nursery decorations, thinking about how they're going to do the, the, you know, the gender reveal. You know, she's already buying, you know, what to expect when you're expecting. She's already purchased it on Amazon. She is, like, God's going to do it. 25 years, nothing, nothing. Now here's the question. What do you do when it feels like God isn't moving fast enough? 
That's the question. And if you're following Jesus, if you believe in Jesus today, I can promise you there will come times, if multiple times, when you're going to have to answer this question. What do I do when it feels like God's not moving fast enough? They're going to die soon if he doesn't answer this prayer. He's going to divorce me soon if God doesn't answer this prayer. That opportunity is going to pass soon if God doesn't somehow work this out. My, my, my child only has like one more chance before they're going to kick him out. God's got to do it soon. Why aren't you doing it now, God? What do you do? What most of us do is we decide to help God out. That's what most of us do. And we, we're going to move things along. God, we would make a great team, and so you've given the dream, I'm going to make it happen. And that's what Abraham decided to do. Look at verse, uh, verse 2. So 16, we just read 1. Look at verse 2. It says, so Sarah can't have kids. And Sarah said to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps, I have that underlined in my Bible. She's guessing. That's what we do when we're tired of waiting on God. We're like, let's connect the dots. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed. He's like, okay, babe, I'll do it for you. Um, with Sarah's proposal, totally for you, babe. I would never do that. If you want me to, I'll do it. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, gave her to Abraham, his wife. And Abraham slept with her, and she became pregnant. It worked. This is what God wanted us to do all along, except it's not what God wanted them to do all along. God was going to handle it. God was going, God was going to do it. Impatience, what seemed like no activity, Sarah decides she's got a good idea. It's not a God idea, but it's a good idea. It worked. But the problem is when something works that's not what God wanted to do, it didn't actually work. It's not a blessing. So they have this child. The child's name is Ishmael. I don't want to go too deep in the weeds on you, but we're still dealing with Ishmael and Isaac problems. And, 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 and so one day God shows up to Abraham and says, I'm still going to do what I said I was going to do. And Abraham says to God, that's not necessary. Just bless Ishmael. In other words, Abraham says to God, if you'll just make plan B work, That'll be all right. Like, it's not your best, and I know that that's not what you wanted, but this is what we've got now. Just bless plan B. I'll settle for plan B if you'll just make that work. Just make this work. Here's what I've got to work with, God. Just make this work. And God says, no. No. You don't tell me what we're going to do. You don't decide how I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. I'm not going to do that. I'm not blessing plan B. And the same thing is true for us. God doesn't want your life to just be good enough. He wants you to experience his best. But when we get in a hurry and we trade God's best for our best effort, it's always less than what it could have been and what it should be. So years go by. We skip all the way to Genesis 21. A lot happens between 16 and 21. But you skip all the way to Genesis 21 Verses 1, 2, and 3. Let me read this to you. It says, The Lord kept his word, 25 years, by the way, after he said he would. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. 
and she became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. Love this line. This happened at just the time that God said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. It happened. It happened when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90, 90 years old. That's when it happened. But you know when else it happened? It happened exactly when God wanted it to happen. God did what he said he was going to do. And this is a great reminder that just because we don't see God working doesn't mean it's not working. Just because we don't feel like God is doing something doesn't mean God's doing nothing. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to do it. So here's what I want to do today for just a few minutes that we have left is I want to give you, try to help you as practically as I can, I want to give you four answers that God gives to the question when. If you believe in Jesus and you follow Jesus, I can promise you there will come a point when you're going to pray the prayer. When, God? How much longer, God? When? And there are four answers that God will give you. One of these four answers, I promise you, I guarantee you, one of these four answers, when you pray when, when you pray the prayer when, God, he's going to give you one of these four answers. And so I want to just give these to you. Number one, if you want to write this in on your sermon, God, when we pray the prayer, when, God, sometimes God answers by saying, never. Never. Well, that was a bummer. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have led with that one. But uh, sometimes the answer is never. When, God, are you going to answer this prayer? And God's like, no, never, never. I've used this example before, but I think it's a great example. Um, when, my, when my daughter, my oldest daughter, you know, when her birthday comes around, she begins to ask for things for her birthday. There are some things she asks for, and the answer will forever be no, forever. She's like, hey, Dad, can I get a, a pony? <laughs> no, never, never. Can't do it. Not going to happen. Because there are some things that her father just isn't going to do for her, even though she wants them really badly. And there are things in, in our life and in our prayer life that we are asking God to do, and, and it doesn't mean that they're bad things. It's just not God's best for our life. And what's interesting about God answering never is that he doesn't torture us. This is, this is a, an important qualifier. That he doesn't torture us by for like, you know, 30, 40, 50 years with a never answer. If the answer is never, God will usually remove the desire from our heart. He's not out there teasing us, you know, dangling a carrot in front of our face. If God has different plans for your life than what you're asking for, he will usually change the desires. If you keep going to him, he'll change the desires in your heart. And so when I go back and I look at, because I keep a prayer list, I got an old school, like written down paper prayer list. When I, there are times when I go back and look at the prayers that I've prayed and there are prayers that were not answered. And I didn't even realize that I stopped praying for them. I just didn't, I stopped thinking about it. I stopped praying about it. It was not something that was on my heart anymore. Usually because now I have perspective to look back and realize that was, that was not, that was silly. That was not what God 
God wanted. Now, what's scary is that there are examples in the Bible when God's answer was never, but people were so stubborn that God's like, never, 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 never. Okay, are you sure this is what you want? Yes, this is what we want. This is right. God's like, okay, this is not what's right, but okay. If you're going to keep stubbornly fighting me on this, I'm going to let you have it. It never worked out good. It never worked out good. And so sometimes when we pray the prayer, when God, and we're struggling to wait on him, sometimes he answers never. But let me give you a, a second answer that God gives us. Sometimes he says to us, not like this. Not like this. Sometimes the answer is never, but sometimes the answer is not like this. What does that mean? That means that God is going to get us where we're trying to go. That means that God is going to get us to the dream that's in our heart, the, 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 the promise that's in our life. He is going to get us there. He's just not going to get us there the way that we're trying to get ourselves there. It's like, it's like your phone, you know, when you're, when you're using the maps, and it's like rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. The problem is I always fight with the app because I think I've got a better way. Never works. I'm always making a U-turn. And maybe sometimes God, when we're saying win, 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 is saying rerouting, 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 not like this. And listen, I, I don't want to get in your business today, but I do want to say that maybe you're forcing that relationship to work when it hasn't been working. Because you're so afraid that if this one doesn't work, there'll never be another one. That job, that career, like you know, you can feel it in your gut, you're forcing it. Because if this one doesn't work, there won't be another one. And maybe the reason that he hasn't proposed yet, or maybe the reason you haven't had the baby, or maybe the reason you didn't get the promotion, or maybe the reason the door closed, maybe, is not because God's saying never. He's just saying not like this. I'm not going to bless plan B. I'm not going to do it. I have something better for you. So sometimes he says never. Sometimes he says not like this. But a lot of times... When we pray when God, he answers with not yet, not yet. Going back to that illustration with my, with my, um, my daughter, she's 10, her next birthday will be 11. If she asks me for a car, the answer is not never, it's not yet. She's 11, she doesn't get a car. Because if I gave her the car, she would wreck the car. And so there are some things that we're asking God for that if he gave it to us now, we'd wreck it. It's a not yet type of timing. And a not yet can feel like a never, but it's not never. It's just not yet. And, and we love to hear stories of people who have patiently persevered and gotten on the other side of what God had promised and, and, and they didn't give up. We love those stories. We just hate to be the main character in those stories. You know what I mean? And if we had time, I could give you some of the amazing examples of people who kept praying, kept waiting, diligently waiting through a not, through a not yet. Now, here's what's interesting. You know, I said that if it's a never, God will usually take that desire from your heart or your mind or your prayer. He's not torturing you. But what's interesting with not yet is it can feel like torture because God doesn't do what you ask him to do when he asks you to do it, but he won't let the dream die either. You can't stop thinking about it. You can't let it go. 
Your friends are like, just let it go and move on, but you can't, and you don't know why you can't. It's because God's not wanting that dream to die. It's just not yet. Let me tell you one more. So, so sometimes God says never. Sometimes God says not like this. Sometimes God says not yet. But then sometimes he says now, which I probably should have led with this one because this is the exciting one. Now. Sometimes we're like, God, could you? And he's like, yeah, sure. We're like, and however we prayed that prayer, like now we want to like create an equation, a formula out of that one. Like I need to do that exact, I need to get in that room and I need to get on that knee and I need to like wear that outfit and whatever it was. Or, or you know, J- Jason prayed for that one. I need him to pray for all of them. That's not how it works. There are just some times in God's great plan when he says, yeah, now it's good. This happened recently for my family. This is amazing. We, we had a kind of a crisis happen in our family um, and on, on a Tuesday. And we were scrambling. We didn't know what God, we didn't know what we were going to do. We're praying. You know, we're calling all the prayer warriors. <laughs> like, and on, by Saturday, God did it. Now, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday felt long. But it was only three days. And we were praying for something, and God was like, yeah, let's do that. And, man, we love it when God says now, don't we? And if you're here uh, today, or you're watching this message, maybe you have been praying and waiting. And, and I'm, listen, I'm not up here saying, like, God told me it's about to be a now. Like, that would be amazing. We'd all cheer and stuff. I can't say that. I can't say that. But I can say that if there's something inside of you, that a dream inside of you, a promise inside of you, a vision for your life, and, and, and it feels as if it's never going to happen, you never know that it may be right around the corner. Maybe. Maybe. And so may, maybe it's a never. Maybe it's a not like this. Maybe it's a not yet. Maybe it's a now. And so if you're, if, you're, if you're listening to this and you're looking at the current circumstances and situation of your life and you're thinking to yourself, I never thought it would look like this. I never thought it would end up like this. Like this looks nothing like what I imagined my life was going to be in the worst possible way. God's not finished yet. Are you breathing? Okay, well, he's not finished yet. He's not finished yet. He's got something incredible. Here's what's amazing about God. Even if you screwed it up, he still works something together beautifully in your life. And so we pray for patience. We pray for the ability to wait. But I'm not making light of the fact that I know for many of us in the room, we've been waiting. And it's really hard to keep waiting. Don't give in. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. Don't stop praying. Don't stop showing up. Don't stop having character. Don't cut corners. Don't give in. You never know when God is going to say, say now. If you can do it for Abraham and Sarah at 190, 25 years later, he can do it for you. Let's pray. God, thank you that you always know what you're doing. Thank you, God, that when I'm scrambling, you're never scrambling. Thank you, God, that when I'm worried, you're never worried. Thank you, God, that when I'm done, you're never done. And thank you, God, that you are working on 10,000 things in my life right now that I have no concept of.
God, will you help me to hang in there? God, I pray for everybody in the room right now who's dealing with a not yet. Pray for everyone in the room who's dealing with a not like this. I pray for every person in the room who's watching and walking through a dream dying. Will you help us to trust you and to trust that you know what you're doing? Everybody, head bowed, eyes closed. In just a second, at both locations, our worship team is going to come, and the worship leader is going to invite you down for prayer. And here's what I would love to have happen today, and we don't do this all the time, and you don't have to if you don't want to, but there is a group of prayer people, prayer prayer team, prayer volunteers, and if you're going through a season in your life right now where you're waiting and it's frustrating you to death, I want to encourage you to find one of those prayer volunteers and to pray with them and let them encourage you and pray for you. So God, I just pray for every person right now that's waiting. Give us supernatural faith and patience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.